Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, if you had to ask me about the prototype for the botanical method uh, aquarium, it would have to be the flooded blackwater forest of Amazonia, the Agapo. Yes, you've probably heard me talk about them 5,000 times, but that's the prototype as far as I'm concerned. Perhaps nowhere else is the relationship between terrestrial and aquatic environments so vividly demonstrated than in these truly unique ecosystems. The concept of allochthonous inputs, which, to refresh your memory, are materials arriving into a habitat, in our case the aquatic one, from outside of it, i.e. the terrestrial one, like you know, fruits, seeds, insects, plant parts, that kind of stuff, are important food sources to many fishes. Many midwater kerosens, for example, consume fruits and seeds of terrestrial plants as well as terrestrial insects that fall into the water. Now, it's not uncommon for a tree to fall in the rainforest, with the punishing rain and the saturated ground sort of conspiring to easily knock over just about anything that's not firmly rooted. And when these trees fall over, they often fall into small streams, or in the case of the Varzea or Agapo environments in the Amazon that I'm obsessed with, they fall and are submerged in the inundated forest floor when the you know waters return. And of course, they immediately impact their now aquatic environment, fulfilling several functions. Um, they provide a physical barrier or separation from currents, uh, which offers territories for fish to spawn in, provides a substrate for algae and biofilms and fungal growth to multiply on, and providing places for fishes to forage among and hide in. An entire community of aquatic life forms uses a fallen tree for many purposes. And the tree trunks and the parts will last for many, many years, fulfilling this important role in the aquatic ecosystems that they reside in each time the waters return seasonally. Now, shortly after falling into water, fungi and other microorganisms work to colonize the surfaces and biofilms populate the bark and exposed surfaces of the tree. This is an old story we all know of by now, right? Over time, the tree will impart many chemical substances, humic acids, tannins, sugars, etc., into the water. The fallen tree literally brings life to the waters. Now, let's summarize. The material which comprise the tree are known in ecology as allochthonous material, something imported into an ecosystem from outside of it. Now, extra points if you can pronounce that on the first try, right? And of course, in the case of fallen trees, this includes leaves, fruits, and seed pods that fall into or are washed into the water along with the branches and the trunks that topple into the stream. And the life forms uh, of the terrestrial environment become really important to the aquatic habitat as well. Insects, specifically, are important to fishes in blackwater ecosystems. In fact, it's been concluded by scientists that the first link in the food web during the flooding of forests is terrestrial arthropods, which provide a highly important primary food for many fishes. As we've already established, the relationship between the terrestrial and the aquatic habitat is important beyond just the food and food production benefits. The reality is that the relationship is absolutely, absolutely foundational. It's part of the very existence of the habitats themselves. The leaves, the branches, the seed pods, etc., all that stuff, which end up submerged in these habitats following the seasonal inundation, essentially create the biology and the structural physical part of the benthic environment of the agapo. These systems are intimately tied to the surrounding terrestrial environment, if you haven't guessed by now. Even the permanent rivers have a strong, very predictable seasonality, which provides fruits, seeds, and other terrestrial-originated food sources for the fishes that reside in them. 
and it's long been known by ecologists that rivers with predictable annual floods have a higher richness of fish species tied to this elevated food rate uh, of, you know, the food produced by the surrounding forest. So there's a definite, definite relationship. Okay, where does this take us when we talk about aquarium practice? Let's talk about our aquarium practice and the, the whole concept of allochthonous inputs. Now, incorporating botanical materials into our aquariums for the purpose of creating the foundation for biological activity is the starting point. Leaves, seed pods, twigs, and all that stuff are not only attachment points for bacterial biofilms and fungal growths to colonize, they're a physical location for the sequestration of the resulting detritus, which serves as a food source for many organisms, including our fishes. So think about it this way. Every botanical, every leaf, every piece of wood, every substrate material that we utilize in our aquariums is not only a physical component, it's a potential component of food production. The initial setup of your botanical style aquarium will rather easily accomplish this task of facilitating the growth of these biofilms and fungal growths. And there isn't really all that much you have to do as an aquarist to facilitate this, but to simply add these materials to our tanks and allow the appearance of these organisms to happen. It's pretty easy. You could add, you know, pure cultures of organisms like paramecium, daphnia, uh, species of copepods like cyclops and stuff like that to help jumpstart the process and to add to that next trophic level of your, you know, burgeoning food web. That's pretty cool. In a perfect world, you'd allow your tank to run in for a few weeks or even months if you can handle it before adding your fishes to really let these organisms establish themselves. And regardless of how you allow the biome of your uh, tank to establish itself, don't go crazy editing the process by fanatically removing every trace of detritus or fragmented botanicals in the process. When you do that, you're removing vital links in the food chain, which also provide the basis for the microbiome of our aquariums, along with important nutrient processing. So to facilitate these aquarium food webs, we need to avoid going crazy with the siphon hose. It's, it's really simple as that. Yeah, the idea of embracing the production of natural food sources in our aquariums is it's elegant, it's remarkable, and it's really not all that surprising when you think about it. They'll virtually spontaneously arise in botanical method aquariums almost as a matter of course with us not having to do too much to facilitate it. It's something that we as a hobby haven't really put a lot of energy into over the years. I mean, we have spectacular prepared foods and our understanding of our fish's nutritional needs is better than ever, yet there's something tantalizing to me about the idea of our fishes, you know, being able to supplement what we feed. In particular, fry of fishes being able to sustain themselves or supplement their diets with what's produced inside the habitat that we've created inside our tanks. We've seen this before. I've had a number of friends have this situation happen where they found, you know, egg-laying fry swimming around after a few weeks or months going, where the heck did those come from? And that's because there was food sources within the aquarium for them to feed on. That's a true gift from nature. And I think that we as botanical method aquarium enthusiasts really have to get it into our heads that we're creating more than just an aesthetic display. We need to focus on the fact that we're creating functional microcosms for our fishes, complete with physical, environmental, and nutritional aspects. And when you think about it, getting back to the whole botanical method of aquarium keeping, the idea that various materials can influence the physical characteristics and even the ecology of the aquarium is like the game. That's the whole game. And you'll note that we sort of embraced, just out of curiosity, you've noticed me starting to use more and more the term botanical method of late as this sort of a transition from the moniker botanical style to sort of better describe what we do. 
I think the use of the word style seemed to incorrectly imply that what we do is an aquascaping style rather than a methodology of creating a functional ecology within the aquarium, and we really wanted to draw that distinction. In our instance, yeah, the aesthetics are unique and different, but a significant part of them is derived from the function of botanical materials interacting with the aquatic environment. So with more and more attention being paid to the overall environments from which our fishes come, not just the water, but the surrounding areas of the habitat, we as hobbyists will be able to call even more attention to the need to learn about and protect them when we create aquariums based on more specific habitats. That's kind of that biotope thing, I get it. We should look at nature for all the little details that it offers. We should question why things look the way they do and you know, postulate on what processes led to a habitat looking and functioning the way it does and why or how fishes came to inhabit it and then thrive within it ultimately. It's a fun and pretty fascinating journey that will not only yield you know, greater understanding of our fishes, but of those precious and fascinating environments from which they come. And of course, a greater appreciation for the functions and vulnerabilities of these wild ecosystems means that we'll be in a better position than ever as a chorus to call attention to the perils that they face to others. And when we inspire non-aquarists to understand and learn more about this stuff, the planet wins. That's not a bad return on investment, you know, for studying the unique concept of allochthonous input, is it? I don't think so. I think it's pretty cool. Stay resourceful. Stay curious. Stay thoughtful. Stay observant. Stay creative. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.